Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Happy Easter. You know, it's a wonderful day to be, uh, some of you are, uh, as Daniel already referenced, are here maybe for the first time. Some of you are wondering why you're here. Uh, Some of you have been here for a long time, but whether you're watching online or in the room, I want to welcome you. But through all the technical difficulties, we prevailed. The devil is defeated and he's a liar and God's still going to win. Already has won. So thank you to our worship team. Thank you to our production team. Thank you to the people that are serving before you got here, that got up, that have been doing so many amazing things. You know, and here we are as Christ followers celebrating the risen Christ. The reason why we do it is because it's true. It's not a fable. Billions of people throughout history have been changed. Whole empires have been brought down from within, evil empires by the power of the gospel. Orphans have been fed, widows have been served, hospitals have been built, schools have been built to educate children who had no other option. People are still willing to be martyred and lose their life for the name of Jesus. People don't do that for a fable. People don't do those kind of things year after year, generation after generation, decade after decade, hundreds of years upon hundreds of years for a fable and a myth. They do it for the reality of lives were changed, lives are being changed, and lives will continue to be changed by Jesus. Okay, the, fl- the flashy light was on. I just... That's what happens. I just got to see if it was over. So, but if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, a very familiar passage for Easter, verses 1 to 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. When they were wondering, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But these men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee? The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, must be crucified, and on the third day must be raised again. And then they remembered his word. It's amazing this weekend that we gather with hundreds upon hundreds of millions of people all over the globe. Millions upon millions of churches all around the world crossing every tribe and tongue, every cultural group is impacted and celebrating today that three days after the death of Jesus, he did not stay in the tomb, but he rose again. The tomb was empty. Why do you seek for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. 
So today it's Resurrection Sunday, it's Easter Sunday, and I want to talk to us about today about some of the big questions, actually one of the big questions of life, because how you answer this affects your day-to-day life, but also will affect everything in your life. There's probably no bigger question than this, and it's this, what does it take to get right with God or to be made right with God? Where is your hope for life beyond here? I don't know if there's been a time, seems like every year there's more and more need, greater need for hope, for something that would breathe life into the human spirit, for something that would cause us to believe for a better day. And hope is in high demand, but it seems like an extremely short supply. If hope was a commodity, the price would be skyrocketing today and not just because of inflation. (laughs) And we see today because of the big picture things that are going on in our world. It's crazy out there right now. We hear of wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes happening in all kinds of crazy places, rumors of impending economic collapse, inflation's going up, your rent's going up, maybe your money's not keeping up. And our world has gone crazy on so many levels, economically, socially, morally, politically, and many, many more. And then there's the stuff of our own life. And probably all of us, if we're honest, there are things that if we look back over the last year that we're not extremely proud of. Things that we know, and sometimes other people know, but sometimes there's things that only we know, and we hope that nobody ever finds out but we can see the effect of it in our lives and through our lives to other people. Because not only is the world crazy, there's our stuff going on inside of us, then there's the stuff that people do to us. Abuse and rejection and hatred and loss of people, uh, loss of family members, loss of jobs, loss of trust, abandonment, violence, anger, division and hatred. And we might find ourselves in a more difficult place than we thought we would be in. And nobody likes a season of hard times. Nobody likes them. But they have this way of waking us up to the reality of what am I hoping for? What am I believing for? What am I believing in? And that's why Easter is such a significant day in the Christian faith. It's a time when we gather to remember the reality of the risen Savior, the only hope capable of sustaining human life and hope for beyond human life. The stock market can crash. The politicians can do crazy things. The climate could rage, and yet there's still one hope that has held up human beings across every continent, across every cultural group, across every language group for 2,000 years through times of poverty, through times of disease, through times of pain, through times of hardship, and even death itself. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And Easter is our reminder that everything might feel lost when darkness seems to take over, but hope is here and is on the way. But we can't understand Easter properly if we just talk about today. Because Easter, although it happened 2,000 years ago, its its origins go back to the beginning of time when the very first humans called Adam and Eve, who had been created by God in perfection in a garden, they spent their time walking with God, 
They had a tight relationship with God. It says he walked with them in the cool of the evening. But then through the temptation of, the, of Satan, they were tempted to disobey God and they took the bait. They disobeyed God. They sinned against God. And sin came in and brought a barrier between them, between man and God. Romans 5 says, For one man, by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. Where sin rules, fear reigns. War came in, division came in, disease came in, pain came in, thorns and thistles came in. Every evil thing finds its root in that day when sin came into the world. Life would be a continual struggle. Sin would ruin and dominate people and their relationships and destroy lives, families, cities, nations, and people. And instinctively, we know there's a problem. We might not recognize the reality of Jesus, but we know our world's messed up. And we want to fix it. And we want to get back to being made right with God or at least have the world made right. And when it comes to this question, can I be made right with God? Many of us think, does it really matter? Because doesn't everybody go to heaven? Even dogs. Don't all dogs go to heaven? But can it be true that everybody could go to heaven? Think about it. What do you mean, what about Hitler? Mass murderer of the last century, or Osama bin Laden, or whoever you would want to name. And if not them, then on what basis are they excluded? Or if somebody is good, on what basis are they included? How good is good to get in here? Because here's the reality. Let's use this as it. Jesus, I think you, you can't see that online. Can, you can you zoom into that or anything? You can't do anything for that? Wow. This says Jesus. Jesus. Everybody say it together. Jesus. So Jesus is at the top here. Jesus, perfect. Matthew 5 and 48 says, be, therefore, be the, you therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So God is perfect. He's here. He's at the top. And all of us are at somewhere on the scale. Maybe Osama bin Laden might be, uh, well, maybe over there. Or, or Hitler is down here or something probably down there at the bottom rung, somewhere around there. But then there's other people who are pretty good people. I think of someone like in the 18, 19th century in, in, in America, a lady by the name of Harriet Tubman, who was a, an escaped slave who worked hard through sneaky re, re, means and actually through the prophetic and all kinds of things and rescued Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of slaves out of slavery and spirited them away to freedom. In the last century, we have a lady by the name of Mother Teresa. She also did a lot of good things. She left her home as a young uh, nun uh, from Albania and went to serve in India. And she served among the lowest of the lows, the lepers, the people who were uncleaned. And she began to serve them and minister to them and love on them and feed them. And it expanded into this incredible ministry of touching so many lives. She's good. They were both really, really good. Then there's this guy. Uh, no, I think I'm a, I might be above there based on that. So I'm not nearly up there, but I'll put myself there. Some of you might want me to go lower. I don't know, but <laughs> you can talk to me after. 
And at the bottom will be the worst of sinners. And somewhere here is people who have done great things. They're not perfect. They had issues. Only Jesus is here. And life is about how, what do I do about this gap between where I am? Maybe you feel like you're here or maybe you're like, I'm right there. I know I'm definitely better than Craig, so I am here. Maybe that's where you are. But given the fact that there's a gap between where we are and where Jesus is, what do we do to fill it in? Well, that's the story of humanity. We try all kinds of things. We try things and maybe like karma. If I balance it on a scale, it'll all work out. And if not, then I can get, keep getting reincarnated and come back hopefully a little better. Hopefully I don't go backwards. And hopefully one day I'll enter into the realm of the divine. There's no, this realm offers no forgiveness of sin. There's no supernatural help, only karma, the balancing of the scales. Others might believe in an impersonal God or hundreds of gods that must be approached through sub-deities or through offering to an idol or something like that, or maybe doing all the things to incense and offering food and offering money, whatever it be, all these deities to be appeased by sacrifice. Still others believe that there is a, maybe a personal God, but your standing with God is determined by your religious fervor, by your good works. Do you pray enough? Do you give enough? Do you serve the poor enough? Do you fast enough? Do you sacrifice enough? Others think there is not really any type of God. You're, you just need to become one with the cosmos or the universe. And maybe you use crystals and meditation and you just try to become one with the essence of all that is. One with the trees, one with the animals, one with one another. But summed up all of those religions say, be good try hard and potentially something may work out for you, but we're not really sure. It's your works. So we try and we try and we try and we try. All common within our world today. But it's not hard to see that we are never going to, probably in this room, I will venture to guess that none of us are gonna measure up to the standard of moral goodness of Mother Teresa or Harriet Tubman, probably not, let alone the perfection of God. And can we acknowledge that although there may be good and positive things in many different religions, they're absolutely and completely not the same? In fact, at many points, they're completely contradictory. But Christianity makes a unique claim. It says, we are not good enough and we can never be good enough by our own works. It goes so far as to say this, all your righteous acts are as filthy rags because you offer them to God with sin-stained hands. Wow. So today I'm just gonna ask you to consider Jesus with me. I'm not asking you to consider joining a church or joining a denomination or becoming a Craigite. Just ask you to consider Jesus. Thank you for that sympathy laugh over there. I appreciate that. Thank you. But about Jesus, there were over 350 prophecies made about him in the Old Testament, fulfilled by him. 
Some of the prophecies about him were made hundreds of years before he ever came to the planet. They were made by many of them were things he could not have fulfilled if he tried, like where he was going to be born, where he would live as a child, and what manner he would, of death that he would have. And Jesus lived a life like everyone else. God became flesh and dwelt among us, the scriptures say. And he dwelt among us, but he lived a sinless life. He performed miracles. He healed the sick. He, he did all kinds of amazing things, taught incredible ethical and moral principles that have stood the test of time. And the people loved him. They said, whoa, this is the one. We're going to call him the king. He's going to solve everything. He's going to kick the empire out of here. All those nasty politicians that got their thumb on us. We're going to get rid of them. Jesus is going to be king. It's going to be amazing. They were looking for an earthly Messiah to fix their lives. Hope had arrived, it seemed. But then Good Friday happened. And Good Friday, where the innocent one was made to stand in for the guilty and was beaten and whipped for our transgressions. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And he was stripped and made to walk a walk of shame through the city and up a hill to a hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And then he was laid upon a cross and nails were put in through his hands and through his feet and he was raised on display to be mocked at. And he stood there, or he was nailed there. And it seemed in that moment that all hope was lost. Hope for that their lives will be different, gone. Hope for eternity, gone. Hope that the Romans will be kicked out, gone. But, but hell could not hold him and the grave could not hold the sinless one because he was perfect. The central part of the Christian faith is the resurrection. The resurrection, John Piper says this, changes everything. The point is not that the resurrection is the price paid for our sin. The point is that the resurrection proves that the death of Jesus is an all-sufficient sacrifice paid for our sin. All-sufficient. In other words, the debt has been paid in full. The, the penalty for sin was death, paid. The price for sin, blood, paid. Once for all, for all time, for all people, by God himself, in the person of Jesus Christ. So I want you to consider again then, for all of us, we're going to come back to the ladder. Romans 3.23 says that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There, we recognize the gap. We cannot reach God through our best efforts, our, our best day doing the everything perfect according to what, and then we, the thought goes through our mind or an action comes through us or the word comes out or we do something that we would be ashamed of. And Romans 6 and 23 says this, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're messed up, 
We're destroying ourselves. We're destroying our families. We're destroying our relationships. We're destroying our world. We're destroying our city. We're destroying our nation. All because of this issue of sin. There's no peace. There's no freedom. But that's not the end of the story. In Romans 5 and 8 says this, but God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, at our worst, God loves us. When you think of the worst thing that you have done to this point, God loved you in the middle of the mess. God loves you in the middle of the mess. God loves you when you've got it all together. He loves you when you can't put two things together. He loves you in the depth of despair. He loves you in the middle of your pain. He loves you in the middle of your shame. He loves us when we're on the highest heights and the lowest valley because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get cleaned up. He didn't wait for us to get uh, all fixed up. He said, I'm coming for you. I, I, I'm on a rescue mission from heaven because you have no way of bridging the gap. And so what did he do in John 3 and 16 and 17? You see these at football game, John 3, 16. Well, here's what it is. For God so loved the world that he, let's all say that word all together, that he, his one and only son, that whoever, 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 whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life or eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Heaven went on a rescue mission. Heaven came down and came and inserted itself into the muck of humanity through the person of Jesus and said, I am making a way. I am coming for you. I'm looking for you. I'm looking for sons and daughters. I'm reconciling men and women. I'm here to do what you cannot do for yourself. And so the God of love, motivated love, by love came on a rescue mission. And what does that all mean? In 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, it says, for God made Christ who had never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we can be made right with God. God gives us what we don't deserve, life, and gives us, doesn't give us what we do deserve in death. But Jesus came down. And when I surrender my life to him, I, my life is hid with Christ in God. And so I trust in what Jesus did. And Mother Teresa trusts in what Jesus did. And Harriet Tubman trusted in what Jesus did. And we'll leave Hitler, I don't know. But the reality is our lives are hid with Christ in God and the gap is bridged. And where once we said, how can I go? Where once we were just afar off through the person and work of Jesus. There. We bridge the gap and suddenly what happens? Instead of our work, we trust the work of Jesus on the cross. Instead of being outsiders, we can become insiders. Instead of wondering how close we can get to God, God brings us in. And this is what it says in John 1 and verse 12. But to all, everybody say all. To all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. 
It's not complicated. Yeah, but how, how, do I have to say a certain amount of prayers? What, do I have to give a certain amount? Do I have to, to them, what, let's read that, put that scripture back again. It's already there. To all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. It's about relationship. It's not about ritual. It's not about rules. It's about identifying with Christ and trusting him to fill in the gap that we could not fill in. You know, one of the craziest things in, this, in the crucifixion story where Jesus was, you probably have seen it, there's three crosses on each side, there's a thief. And one of them says to Jesus, he said, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And this is what happens. He's on the cross. He can do nothing at all. He just says over to Jesus, hey, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said, turns and says to him, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. It's not complicated. He didn't have right doctrine. He didn't know how many of the apostles there were. He didn't know maybe how to recite all the right rules. He probably had broken them all. And in one moment, he put his trust in Jesus and he passed from death unto life. He passed into a new reality, a new realm, a new possibility. But here's the thing, you don't have to wait till you're on your deathbed. Oh God, because you don't know when it'll come. And far more than that, you have the wonderful opportunity of entering into a relationship with a God who walks with you through life. No more alone, walking with peace, walking with his grace and his power through tribulations and trials that inevitably come, but no more alone. Consider Jesus. Dr. James Francis wrote this about Jesus. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city or traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 years old when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only thing that he owned, the only property that he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. But 20 centuries have come and gone, and today he remains the central figure of the human race and is at the helm and is at the helm as the leader of all mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of humans on earth as much as this one solitary man, Jesus. Consider Jesus the hope of the world. Because, because of Jesus, the worship team, I think you can come anytime. I can be made right with God. You can be made right with God. Because of Jesus, he lives and breaks the power of sin and death to control us. Because Jesus lives, I need never walk alone through the trials and the pain of life. Because of Jesus, my desolation 
can be turned into restoration. Because Jesus lives, my trouble can be turned into a triumph. Because Jesus lives, your pain can be turned into a promise. Because Jesus lives, he is risen, he is risen indeed. Only he can man the gap. Only he can fill it in. Only he can bring you into the very presence of God and cause everything to be made right in your life in terms of your relationship with God. So how can I be made right with God? I can trust my own works or I can trust the work of Jesus on the cross and dying and resurrecting his life. So each of us must decide, will I trust my own work or will I trust the work of Jesus on the cross and being raised from the grave? Funny thing is, there's a third category I could probably could put here. Some of us surrender our lives to Jesus and then we go back to living our lives all by ourselves without the power and presence of God walking with us. And we, we take it all on ourselves. But the whole meaning of grace is that you need it when you don't deserve it. When you face situations that are overwhelming, when you're walking through life and you're not sure how to handle that situation in your marriage or your business or your family, Jesus is present. But each of us must decide, will I trust my own work? Or will I trust the work of Jesus on his death and resurrection? Because I can't change the beginning of my story, but I can start where I am and change the rest of my story by surrendering my life to Jesus. Some it might be for the very, very first time. Others it might be, I need a return, I've been wandering. Still others might be, I haven't been wandering, but I haven't been following as well as I need to be. Consider Jesus. How do I get right with God? Romans 10, 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Sometimes we have trouble with that verse. It seems too simple. It's very simple to begin a journey with Jesus. But it's not a moment that's meant to just be a check a box. It's meant to be a moment that forever changes the momentum of your life. Because the reality of the God of heaven steps into your life and begins to direct and lead you. And when you face eternity, whenever that will be, whether it's five, five days from now, five years from now, or 50 years from now, you can rest in the assurance that Jesus has gone before you. We started with this question, how can I be made right with God for now and eternity? It's as simple as you'll hear me say this if you're around here, ABC. Acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Believe that Jesus died and rose again and confess that he is the forgiver and the leader or Lord of my life. Acknowledge, believe, confess. The greatest rescue mission of all time was Easter. There is no morning routine, no self-help book, no amount of positive thinking that could ever give you the kind of freedom and peace that is available in Jesus. You can only find that kind of peace and that kind of freedom when you surrender to the creator of your life. He is the one. And this is a perfect time to do that. A perfect time. 
And if you haven't let him rescue you, what are you waiting for? And start a new journey. What have you got to lose? You're treading water and you're almost drowning at times. And Jesus is saying, I have come for you. Surrender your life to Jesus. I invite you to stand. I'm gonna pray. Just bow your heads for a moment. Just to give privacy to the people around you when we preach the word of God, the word of God demands a response. So your eyes closed and give privacy to the people around you. Three responses that I could see this morning. One would be to repent and say, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus for the first time. I've never made Jesus the forgiver and leader of my life. That might be the first thing. The second, there might be those that would say, I'm returning, I've been wandering, I made a commitment to Jesus, whether maybe a while ago, maybe a long time ago, but I'm returning this morning to Jesus and I need to return and restart my relationship with him. And then there's some of us in the room as well that might be saying, I'm just reflecting and rejoicing in the great goodness of the reality of the risen Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're repenting and saying, Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you today, just pop your hand up and I want to pray with you. I'm not going to make it come down to the front or anything like that. My left, your right. Say, I'm, this is your day. Don't wait for another day. You don't know if you have another day. I'm repenting. Surrendering my life to Jesus. Or maybe you're returning this morning. Say, Pastor, I've been a little bit of wandering, but this morning I'm returning to Jesus. Just pop your hand up around the room. Just keep it up for a moment. Yes, yes. See, yes. 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 Maybe you're just reflecting and rejoicing on the goodness of God in your life. Put your hand up. Reflecting and rejoicing on the goodness of God. Yeah. Jesus, for those that are repenting and saying, God, I want to surrender my life to you today for the very first time. Lord, we acknowledge that we are a sinner in need of a savior. We believe that Jesus came, died, buried, and rose again for us. We confess that he is the leader of our life and God be merciful to be a sinner. For those that are returning, we say we, we return. No matter how long we've gone in the wrong direction, we turn around and turn back to you. Say we repent, Lord. We need you. We need you, we need you. Surrender my life afresh to you. Use me as you will. For, the, for those that are rejoicing, we, we lift our hands and we say, we're grateful, Lord Jesus. We're grateful for your resurrection power. We're grateful for that power that not only settles the question of eternity, but is in our day to day. We love you, Jesus. We're so grateful for who you are. In the strong name of Jesus, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.